Well, we're in a, uh, a series of messages that I started last Sunday. It's entitled Understanding the Times. And um, I've asked the Lord to help me, and I hope you're praying for me during this series that God will help me to do this. I'm trying to answer three very, very important questions. Number one, what time is it? And I dealt with that last Sunday morning, uh, trying to help us understand the times, where we are in the history of the world, and, and on God's time clock where we're sitting today. Second thing, and I'll uh, get into that this morning, I want to try to answer who we are as people of God. And third and finally, what should we do in this day? Here's my text. I gave it to you last Sunday. I want to give it to you again. It's quite lengthy. I've got several passages of scripture here. In fact, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. So you may want to just jot it down so you can locate it later, read it later. They'll have it on the screens as we go along. But the first portion of scripture that I'm ministering from is Romans chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. Paul said, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Some translations say the revelation of the sons of God. This is where we are. The earth is groaning. The earth is waiting for the manifestation or the revelation of the sons of God. Might help you if I read this from J.B. Phillips' translation. I love this. He says, in my opinion, whatever we may have to go through now is less than nothing compared to the magnificent future God has planned for us. Let me stop right there. I don't know what kind of negativity you may have heard in the last week, in the last month, in the last year. But I want to tell you something. I've read the end of the book, and the future for God's people is really bright. Amen? It's really bright. Paul goes on to say the whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sights of the Son of God coming into their own. In other words, the whole world is waiting to see the true manifestation in the last days of the children of God. The second text dealing with the end times from Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. And finally from 1 Chronicles 12, 23 and 32. These are the number of the men armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him as the Lord had said. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. Children of Issachar, they not only knew what time it was, they knew what the people of God should do. And that's what we need to know. We need to have an understanding of our times. We need to know who we are and we need to know what we should do. So I'm approaching the second part of this this morning, and that is, who am I? Our identity is so very important. Unfortunately, we have a much better understanding of where we've come from or an understanding of our past than we do of who we are in relation to our future. And, and that's right backwards to what it should be. Children of God, should change, should turn that priority over. What, what we were is not near as important as who we are now and what God wants us to be going forward. Paul put it this way in his letter to the Philippians. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So let's look for just a minute and try to ascertain our identity at this particular time. First of all, I want you to know that we are former aliens, but now we're a part of God's covenant. Let me give you scripture for that. I told you I'm going to give you a lot of scripture this morning from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's who we were. That's who we were. 
That is past tense. The devil wants to make that present tense. And he wants to hold you into that going forward because then he can keep you in condemnation and in fear and in doubt and, and all sorts of things he can do to you. But that's who we were. But look at this next, I got it underlined here. But now, say that with me. But now, say it again. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Anybody happy about that? Say amen. Amen. Yes. Let me read some more from this same chapter. Let's back up to the beginning. Verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we were once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. Look at this. But God, say that with me. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. Wow. Do you see what Paul's trying to tell us here? He said that, that, that that's who you were, but don't, don't, get caught, don't let the enemy hold you back there because something happened. We, we, were, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We not only were aliens from the promise of God, we, were, we, we, we didn't understand anything about the covenant of God. We had no connection to the covenant of God. We were aliens from that. That's what the first scripture that I read told you. But now he said, even worse than that, we were dead in trespasses and in sins. In other words, our sinful nature had taken us. There, there was just no life in us about the things of God. We had no connectivity to it at all. And worse than that, we had no way within our own selves to change that whatsoever. But God, <laughs> I love that. But God who is rich in mercy. How many are thankful for the mercy of God? I, I love the mercies of God. Yes, give God praise for that. He's worthy. But, but God who is rich in mercy, 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 mercy. We all need mercy. Uh, I noticed uh, several years ago when reading through the Pauline epistles, you know, Paul wrote about 13, 14 books of the New Testament. Depends on whether you believe he wrote Hebrews or not, because we're not positive of that. I, I think he did. So that's 14, if, if that be true. The books of the New Testament. And, and when Paul is writing to the church, to a group of people, he addresses them. When he begins the letter, he will say, grace and peace be unto you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he writes to individuals, for example, when he writes to Timothy or Titus or, or Philemon or, or, or any of these individuals, when he writes to individuals, he says, he, he begins by saying grace, mercy, and peace. Not just grace and peace, grace, mercy, and peace. You know why? Because individuals need mercy. I don't know about you, but I need mercy. And I'm thankful for mercy. And God is rich in mercy. His mercy is so wonderful when he looked down and saw us dead in trespasses and in sins. When he saw us alienated from the promises of God and the commonwealth of Israel. When he saw us without hope, he even said. Some of you were without hope. You didn't even have any hope of things being better. Your life was, you thought you were destined to, to, to be caught in that situation, never to escape. Caught in your addiction, caught in your failures, caught in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, caught in the worldliness, caught in, caught in failure and, and caught in intimidation. And, and 
God looked down and saw you and he, he just had mercy on you. And he said, I, I, I'm going to draw them to me. I'm going to make a change in their life. I'm going to, glory to God. I'm going to demonstrate what we demonstrated a while ago at the baptistry pool. I'm going to give new life to them. I'm going to, I'm going to make them alive in me and not only that. I'm going to make them a part of the family of God. I'm going to do all of this for them just because I love them. Praise God. Woo, glory to God. Second thing I want you to understand that we are sons of God. I should have put children of God there. When I, this includes, this, this is men and women, sons and daughters of God. That's who we're talking about here. That's who we are now in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. We need the rain. And I got a long sermon. I want them to stay. Uh, Galatians chapter 4. I want you to look at verses 4 through 7. Look at this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. Notice it's capitalized spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. He has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now, we don't use Abba uh, typically in our culture today. That's kind of a lost word. But, but what it was saying here, you, you could, you could um, substitute in that place the word Papa or Dad. It's, it's a close relationship with God. You know, the, the um, religious leaders in Jesus' time got very angry with him. When he called God his father, he said, you don't have any right to call God your papa. What is this? You know, he was using this, this term, that kind of relationship with him. Listen, he is more this morning to us now than just our father. He is that, okay. But he is also our daddy. We don't have to fear him. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can crawl up into his arms and put our hands around, our arms around his neck and love on him because he is, he is Abba Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Well, we're part of the family of God now. The devil don't want you to get a hold of this. But, but let me give you another scripture, Romans 8, 15 to 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we also be glorified together. He's using these same terms here. When he, when he writes to the church at Rome and he, and he talks about who we are as children of God. Folks, the enemy does not want you to grasp this. He wants you to be afraid of God. He wants you to, he wants you to be intimidated. He wants, he wants you to think that the only thing that happened to you when you got saved is you got some fire insurance and you don't have to go to hell. But, but no, no, that's a whole lot more than that. We are born again. We are sons and daughters of God. We have his DNA in us now. We are literally the children of God. And he said, as, as children of God, we're actually, we're actually heirs with Christ and joint heirs with Christ. We're sons of God, heirs of <laughs> God. Wow. You, you know, you, your, your kids, they don't have any problem with, uh, with that kind of relationship in the family. You look at one of your kids. Your kid will invite a friend. Your kid may not be 10 years old yet, and they'll invite a friend. And where do they invite them to? My house. My house. They hadn't invested a dime in that house. In fact, ever since they've been in your house, they've cost you money. But it's my house. You know why? Because they're your children. They're your children. Now, if your kids can live that out, why can't we understand that we're now part of the family of God? 
God is our Father. He invites us to come boldly before the throne of God. Now, that's not with arrogance, but that is as His children. We have a, a right in Him because He made the invitation. He's the one that made us part of His family, and, and it, it all belongs to us anyway. We ought to be able to walk right in there and put our arms around our Heavenly Father and say, I'm one of your children, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. And here's what I need. Praise God. Let me give you this next one. I'm trying to rush on because I've got so much that's burning on my spirit. And, and, and I want to give to you, it's probably going to take me six or eight weeks. But the next one is the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me give you scripture for that. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. Do you know what he's saying here? He has said, listen, church. God is saying in his holy word, I took all the sins of Rich Bowen and I placed them on the sinless son of God, Jesus who knew no sin, Jesus the perfect man, the God man. He took my sins and put my sins on him. And there's a reason for that. He did that so he could take his righteousness and put it on me. How many of you say, you know you're saved, you've received the Lord as your Savior? Listen, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the devil does not want you to believe that. He don't want you to accept it. He don't want you to receive it. He don't want you to understand it. Because once you grasp this, he's going to lose his hold of condemnation on your life. I want you to get it this morning. He took your sins. He took your sins. If, if I had if I had time to go around the room, take everybody's name. I just, Brother Todd, do you mind if I use you? It, it, this is what Jesus did. Jesus took all of the sinful past of Todd Ryan and he placed them on the sinless son of God. That's what he did. That's what he did. That's what he did. Brother George, do you mind if I use you? He took all the sins of Brother George and placed them on Jesus Christ and he carried him the cross with him wow wow it, it, it's not just Beth do you mind if I use you he took sister Beth and took the sin now I know y'all think she's perfect never sinned but, but but there was a time at least she had the nature of sin because we're all born with it he took all the sins of Beth and he placed them on Jesus. It's even generational, Sister Dot, her, her mother. He took the sins of her mother and placed them on Jesus Christ. And, and here's why. Here's why. Because when he took our sins, and by the way, notice that it's singular, sin. That, that, that includes that nature, that Adamic sin. And everything that goes with it, every act of sins that we committed, all of it, just bundled it in one thing and just called the whole thing sin because that's what it was and what it is. He took that and he placed it on Jesus. And here's why. Because Brother Todd, when he took your sins and placed them on Jesus, then he could take his righteousness. He took the righteousness of Jesus and put the righteousness of Jesus on Brother Ryan. He took the righteousness of Jesus and placed it on Brother George. He took the righteousness of Jesus and put it on Sister Beth. He took the righteousness of Jesus and put it on Sister Dot. And now, all of you, if, if I had time to call every name, I wish I did. I wish I did. He, if you realize this morning that when he took our sin, he put the righteousness of God on us. And now when he sees us, he does not see us as our old sinful past would present us. But he sees us as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He, look, he looks at you and you and you and you and all of you this morning just like he's looking at Jesus. 
because we're now clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. 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 Now, now you, you, you got to get a hold of this this morning because until you get a hold of this, until you get a hold of this, you're going to keep operating from a premise that opens you up to the condemnation of the devil. Let me explain. Here's how most people see themselves. They see themselves and they've heard it. And for heaven's sakes, it's even been preached from a lot of pulpits. They see themselves as nothing in the world but an old sinner saved by grace. In fact, there's a gospel song. And it's a beautiful song. It's got a, it's got a great melody. And I love the song except for the fact that it's theologically incorrect. I'm, an old, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Have you heard that? That's, what the de- that's how the devil wants you to see yourself. That's how the devil, that's the premise from which he wants you to live and work. Because if you see yourself as just an old sinner, I'm, I'm just an old sinner. That's what, that, that becomes your identity. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That means that here I am just this old sinner and God, I'm saved by grace. I'm not going to have to go to hell, but I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And so here comes temptation by. And I said, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm just an old sinner. It, 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 that's, that's just my nature to fall for that. Here I go again. I'm not going to be able to make it because I'm, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And, and so, and, and so the, the devil can draw you down. Now, if you recognize who you are in Christ, you were an old sinner, but you're now saved by grace. Folks, the two, you, you can't say with truth that I am a sinner saved by grace. Those are contradictory terms. You can't say I am a sinner saved. There's no such thing as a saved sinner. If you're a sinner, you're not saved. If you're saved, you're not a sinner. Amen. Are you getting this? I, I, I want you to understand it this morning. You, you cannot be both. If you're saved, say, I'm saved. Praise God. 35 people here saved this morning. We're going to have a fantastic altar call in a little bit. Come on. If you're saved, say it. I'm saved. Praise God. That means you're not a sinner. You were a sinner. That's your past. Forget those things which are behind. That's not who you are. That's who you were. That's not who you are. If you're saved, you're a saint of God. Glory to God. That's why the scriptures keep calling them saints. Paul addressed all those things. Now you, you thought those were people that had died and lived so good that the church promoted them to sainthood. No, no, no. Paul says that to every born again believer. He called them saints. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Glory to God. St. Todd, St. George, glory to God, St. Beth, St. Dot, St. Bernard, where is he? <laughs> we're, we're, we're saints of God. We're, we're saved. That means we are now the righteousness of God. Here's the difference. Here's the, here's the child of God who knows who they are in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. Here comes the temptation. Here comes the temptation. Bless God, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That, that, that's, that's not my natural inclination. That, that's no longer my natural inclination. Something's changed in here. Paul said the things I once love and now hate, the things I once hate and now love. I've been born again. There, there's a new identity in here. There's a, and, and so that, that temptation does not have the pull that it does when you're working from the premise of, of I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Now, does that mean you'll never make a mistake? Or that? Absolutely not. Our bodies have not been glorified yet. I understand that. But at the same time, if you've been saved, if, when the blood of Jesus washed your sins, it didn't cover your sins, it washed them away. And when he washed your sins away, you went through a regeneration process, a transformation process. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
In other words, the seed of the word of God has come into your heart. A transformation has uh, taken place. You have been regened. That's what regeneration is. You now have the DNA of God inside of you. And glory to God. You may make a mistake, but if you do, the Holy Spirit will come immediately and convict you and draw you back to God and just remind you that's not who you are. That's not really who you are. That's not who you want to be. No, 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 no. And he'll pull you right back. Not condemn you, but convict you and draw you back to the Lord. Amen. But if you, if you live by this premise of I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, once you mess up, the devil will just beat you over the head and condemn you. Yeah, that's who you are. That's You couldn't do any better. That's all you are anyway, just an old sinner. Thank God for the grace of God. It may get you into heaven. You'll just go in by the skin of your teeth, but, 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 but maybe, maybe you'll make it and maybe you won't. Why don't you just give up? You, 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 that's your nature anyway. You're just, that is not your nature any longer. Praise God. Our nature is to serve him. Our nature is to love him. Our nature is to live for him. Our nature is to do right. Our nature is to follow the word of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Woo. My goodness. I tell you what, I'm so excited. I feel like David did when he said, I feel like I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. I told the first service, I said, I believe I could jump off of that platform this morning, run around this church. It's just burning inside of me. I'm so excited about who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let, Let me explain the difference. I've told you many times about my daddy's past. He was an alcoholic till he was 40 years old. That means before he was born again, it was more natural for him to drink whiskey than it was not to drink whiskey. In fact, he told me, he said, son, there's only two times that I drank. He said, I drank when it rained and I drank when it didn't rain. (laughs) That was his nature. That was his nature. But when he became born again, something happened to him. He, He not only drank liquor all the time, he was a compulsive gambler. He'd get his paycheck on Friday, go straight to a gambling joint and stay there till Monday morning, go back to work. Sometimes he'd lose every dime he had in the world. And he'd do the same thing over again, over and over and over. Smoked three packs of Lucky Strike cigarettes before they had filters on them. Had a carton on the mantel when he got saved and a pack in his pocket. When he got home from getting saved, took the pack out of his pocket and put it in the mantel in that box, that carton that he had just opened and took one out of. And never saw him again, never smoked again, never drank again, never gambled again. Now... It was much more, somebody, after he'd been saved a long time, said he never drank again. Somebody, several years, caught him one time when he was really kind of down and out and got him, got him to take one little drink. And immediately when he took that drink, the Holy Spirit convicted him. He said, no, 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 that, that's not me. That, that's not me anymore. That's the old Jim Bowen. That's not the new Jim Bowen. And, and, he, and he put it back and it never happened to him again. It, you're a new creature, <laughs> a new creature, a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your nature now is leaning towards God and the holiness of God because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Woo! Glory to God. Let, let me give you the next point. I, I've got to move on. Time, time is marching on. We are heirs to the covenant promises. We're heirs to the covenant promises. Now, there's two things I'm going to have to deal here, with here. I'm, I'm going to have to deal with the, the heir, the word heirs and the word covenant. So let, let me give you some scripture from both of these, okay? Look with me at Galatians chapter 3, powerful chapter. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing when you get home. I'm going to read verses 8 and 9 and then go down to 13 and read through 18 and then 26 to 29. I'm going to read a lot of it. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in a manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet it is confirmed. No one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham, 
and his seed, that's capitalized, it's talking about Jesus Christ here as you'll see in a moment, where the promises made, all the promises that God made to Abraham went all the way down the Abrahamic line. And here's who it was after, the, the seed. And to seeds, he does not say to seeds as many, but to one. And to your seed, and he explains it here, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Do you see what God's word is telling us? If we're the righteousness of God, if we're sons and daughters of God, if we're children of God, if we've been born again, we can go all the way back to the promise of Abraham and claim the inheritance of that promise or those promises. And boy, they are powerful. <laughs> Glory to God. He said, we're heirs. And that heirs there means of the covenant promise. We, we, we inherit that. How many of you like to run into a pretty good inheritance this morning? Would you like to do that? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? The covenant that he's talking about, the covenant was the covenant that was made to Abraham and it's inherited by us. Now, here's what I'm going to have to do. To, before I can go forward with this message this morning, I'm going to have to put a little parenthetical point in here because for us to really grasp this and for me to go on to explain it, we're going to have to visit Brother Abraham for just a minute. Will you, will you allow me to do that? Let, let me just visit Abraham. In fact, let, let, here's a parenthetical point. Let's just visit the blessings of Abraham. I, I'm so fascinated by this guy, Abraham. In fact, I don't know whether you've noticed or not, but when you're reading your Bible, you just keep running into old Abraham from Genesis to Revelations. I mean, he's just in there. 99 chapters in the Bible refer to Abraham. In fact, he is mentioned 306 times in your Bible. Did you know that? 237 times he's mentioned in the Old Testament and 69 times he's mentioned in the New Testament. I, you say, I, th I thought Abraham was Old Testament, Old Covenant. No, no, he's Old Testament, but not Old Covenant. He was before the Old Covenant. He was before the law. He's the original covenant. After Adam sinned and God started looking for somebody that would, uh, would walk upright before him, he found a man that had a heart after God, and his name was Abram, later changed it to Abraham. And God started working with him way back then and made some fantastic promises to him that are still going strong today. I don't know whether you've ever thought about the blessings of Abraham or not, but uh, boy, they're powerful. If you want to read about Abraham, the story of his life can be found in Genesis chapter 9 all the way through Gen Genesis chapter 25. There's a lot in there about you can study his background. I'm just going to give you one little passage, Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. This is when God recorded what he'd been dealing, he'd already been dealing with Abram, but here's what he said. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, here's why God had to move him out of his homeland and his family. At that point in time, everybody around Abraham, everybody that he knew, everybody in that whole culture were heathens. And, and the whole concept, nobody knew anything about the blessings of God or being blessed, period. You were whatever your father was, and that's the, that's the sum total of it. 
If your daddy was a farmer, you were a farmer, and you're going to always be a farmer, and your family line is going to be a farmer. It's very much like the, the old class situation in India. Um, and, and just wherever, whatever level you was born on, that's, that's, you were, that's, that's it. That's where you were destined to be. Well, God says, I'm going to bless Abraham, but I got to get him out of this culture and away from this mindset to show him new things. Because first of all, nobody's going to understand it. And secondly, they're not going to know how to deal with him. Because I'm going to start blessing him. And I want you to look at some of the blessings. I don't have time to preach all these, but I'm just going to list a few of them. Here's the blessing. First of all, he's going to be blessed with leadership ability. Secondly, he's going to be blessed to be a great nation. Boy, that's a blessing, isn't it? I'm going to bless your descendant, make a great nation out of you. Then he's going to bless him personally. He's going to receive blessings. Nobody's, nobody understands that at that time. The personal blessings of God that are about to come on Abraham. And then number four, he said, I'm going to bless you with name recognition. Everybody in the world is going to know about you. In fact, generations are going to know about you. In fact, in 2016, the preacher at New Hope is going to be talking about you. I'm going to give you name recognition from now on. Number five, he said, I'm going to bless you in such a way that you'll be blessed to be a blessing. Not just receive a blessing. You're going to have so many blessings, you're going to bless other people. Isn't that wonderful? And then he said, I'm going to bless I'm going to be, I'm, you're going to be blessed to bless all who bless you. Boy, blessed to bless whoever blesses you. Nor anybody blesses you, you they're going to be blessed. That's why I'm, 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 I'm always concerned when our nation doesn't stand up like it should for Israel. Amen. There is a blessing on people. They're the descendants of Abraham through the flesh. You bless Israel, God will bless you. That's, just, that's the word of God. That's not my idea. That's the, and by the way, God said this is an everlasting covenant. Do you understand covenant? This is more than a contract. A covenant, from God's perspective, the only way a covenant can possibly be broken is for the covenant maker to die. And then if he's passed it down, it has to go on through his... <clears throat> You know who made this covenant with Abraham? God. I think it's going to last, don't you? Amen. It's what he says, the everlasting covenant is the everlasting covenant. This blessing is going to continue. And, and, and number, where are we? Number seven, you're, you're blessed to bless all the families of the earth. All the families of the earth are being blessed today as a result of some of the blessings. Now, I don't have time to go into all of it, but I, I just want to give you just a little hint, just a little snippet, a little snapshot of the blessings of God that's still flowing into the descendants of Abraham. I'm talking about the bloodline. Did you know that the Jews have become the richest religious group in America? Today, they're only 2% of our population, just 2% of our population in America, but 25% of the 400 wealthiest people in America are Jews. You don't think they're blessed? Let, let me read some more. Did you know that there are 165 Jewish billionaires? B with a billion, with a B, billionaires. 165,000 billionaires. Now listen, the Jews constitute only 11% of the global billionaires their commonwealth, however, is over $812 billion. That comes out to be about $4.9 billion per Jewish billionaire. How many of you would like to be one of them Jewish billionaires? Anybody take that? <laughs> hey, they're blessed, folks. They're blessed. Jew, Jews are usually said to comprise, listen to this, only 0.2% of the population. Not, not even 1%, 0.2%, less than a percent of the population of the earth are descendants of Abraham through the bloodline. And yet 11% of the world's billionaires are Jews. You reckon they're blessed? I, I did a little study and a little research in, in, um, in the history of, of who they are and how they achieve their wealth in America. And uh, it's very interesting. Um, most of them that are here came within from the 1900s forward. And um, 
They came here with nothing, nothing. Most of them got here with just a clothes on their back. They had absolutely nothing. They were escaping from countries where they're being persecuted. And they came to America with absolutely nothing. And yet today, they, 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 uh, they're 25% of the 400 wealthiest people in our nation. How did that happen? It's the blessings of God. Here's what Forbes magazine said, giving you a percentage of the, the people in different countries. Here, here it is. In the U.S., 24% of the wealthiest people are Jews. In Israel, of course, 100%. In Russia, 12%. In Canada, 21%. In Brazil, 13%. In the U.K., 14%. This is of billionaires in these countries. In the Ukraine, 30%. In Morocco, 100%. In Australia, 14%. In Spain, 10%. In France, 8%. Germany, even in Germany, where they, where they exterminated them. They're, they're now 2% of the billionaires in Germany are, are, are Jews. Can you believe Hong Kong, 3%. I could go on and on and on and on. The question is, how in the world did they... Did, 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 well, let me ask you, how many of you like to have some of that blessing in your life? Would, would you like to have some of that blessing in your life? It, the devil don't want you to know that it's yours, but I'm going I'm to show you in the scripture that it is. It, you can have it. Uh, by the way, we also, we owe a great debt to them in America. Did you know that the Revolutionary War that won us our independence and freedom in America was financed by a Jew? It was a Hebrew's money when, when we were about to go under that stepped up and said, I'll finance the war. If it hadn't been for that, George Washington wouldn't have been able to go forward and we would have been under the reign of the King of England and we'd have been part of the British Empire. But by the way, I don't have time for this, but it's a fascinating study. When you do a little historical research on the inventions that have happened and, and, and the breakthroughs in medicine and science, and you, you just pick a field. It doesn't matter. Just pick one. And you'll find that the Jews are leading uh, at, at the top of that, things that they've created and everything. I, I also, like I said a while ago, when I was trying to ascertain how they got all this wealth in the United States, having come here with nothing, trying to figure out how in the world they got what they got. They, they, the, the only way that the historical commentators can figure it out, they said they worked hard and they really put a high premium on education. Well, listen, I believe that. I, I believe that. I believe that hard work and I believe education, both of those things are very important. But I want to tell you, if you leave out that third factor, they're not near what they are. That third factor is the blessing of God that came on the Gentiles. There's a lot of other groups, people, groups of people that work hard in America and get a good education and they do quite well but not to the billionaire status that these folks are. They have the blessings of Abraham. Now, here's the thing, folks. You and I are heirs to those, com those covenant promises through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to show it to you right here in the Scripture. That covenant made to Abraham belongs to us. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 3. I want you to look at this, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Look at this, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. I'm not a Jew by birth. I am a Gentile. But Paul said that the blessing of Abraham can come on me. Turn to your neighbor and say, the blessing of Abraham can come on you. Here, here's how it works. That the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Oh, my goodness, a laugh. Look at, look at verse 9 and, and then 26. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ. Now, it's almost 1230 and it stopped raining. So I'm, I'm going to have to dismiss because I don't, they'll turn your kids loose from the nursery and the children's church. And no, they won't really, but 
but they'll wish they could. And they'll be mad at me. So I'm going to have to bring this to a close. So I, I, here, here's what I want, this last point, I want you to get this. Here's the important thing. If that blessing is available to me, how do I access that blessing? And then how do I activate that blessing? Have you got those two questions? I'm going to answer this in conclusion. How do I access the blessings of Abraham? And how do I activate the blessings of Abraham? Let me take you back to Galatians 3.14. I'm going to put it on the screen. I want you to see this. That the blessing, thank you, Lord, for the rain. That the <laughs> blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Here it is. Here's how you access it. In Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's how we activate it. That's how we activate it. I, I, I know you don't want to get out in the rain. How many? Give me five more minutes. Will you do that? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Thank you. All right. All right. Let, let, me, just, let me just say this here. If you're a Jew, if you are a Jew, bloodline Jew, you, you can trace your history all the way back to Abraham then that's how you access the blessing of Abraham because God promised that and it's, a, it's an eternal promise, everlasting covenant. That's how, you access, that's how the Jews access it. But here's how the Jews activate it. They have the blessing so they know what they do is going to be blessed. But here's how they have to access, uh, activate it. They have to activate it, they got it up there, by study and by hard work. Remember what I just told you a while ago when I did the research in the history of the Jews here, why they're so wealthy? They said because they studied hard and they worked hard. That's how they activate it. But when they study hard and when they work hard, they're blessed more than everybody else because they have the covenant blessing of Abraham on their study and their hard work. Now, wait a minute. The word of God says that I am a descendant of Abraham because I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was the direct descendant of Abraham. And now I have his DNA in me. That's how I access it. The devil don't want you to know about that. He wants you to, how, how many of you know, it doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank, you can die broke if you don't know it's there or how to get it. Amen. I've heard of people who have been left lots of money and they, they didn't even know they had it and they died broke. I heard about one, one old lady that died, uh, <clears throat> died a pauper and did not realize that for years before, and he, he never he had a stroke and wasn't able to tell her, but he had, been, he had been hiding money in the mattress and she was sleeping on the mattress that was full of money and starving because she didn't know she had it. Now, the devil does not want you to know that you have access to the blessing of Abraham. He wants you to think everybody else is blessed. I just, you just don't understand, preacher. It runs in my family. We just, he wants you to make all kinds of excuses. I don't have education. I don't have, I, I didn't get this. I, didn't, I, I, I heard about a guy the other day that does not know how to read and write who has become a multimillionaire in business because of the blessings of God. He learned how to access it and he learned how to activate it. These other things that, you know, I believe in getting all the education you can. I believe in working hard, all those things. But I also believe that there is another dimension that, and this is what I started this message and I talked more about it last Sunday than I did this Sunday. But this is where the manifestation, the earth is waiting for the children of God to come to the point where they understand who they are and will be able to rise up in the Lord Jesus Christ and take their possession in the Lord and declare that my home is blessed. My family is blessed. My job is blessed. My health is blessed. And, and we're going to manifest that to the world. We access it through Jesus Christ. If you've been born again, you've got access to it. Here's how we activate it. We activate it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you to do this again? Back up and, and bring me that last scripture in Galatians chapter 3. There it is. Look at this. 
Look at this. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit capitalized. I'm, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time in the next few weeks telling you the importance of receiving the Holy Spirit. This is the blessing of Abraham. It's the Holy Spirit of God. That's how we activate this blessing. If we, uh, uh, I heard about a guy the other day who had no education, who became an entrepreneur, and, and who became very wealthy as an investor. And they asked him how he made so much money investing. And he said, here's how. I started with almost nothing, but I prayed. And I prayed in the Spirit. And I prayed until the Holy Spirit showed me what to do. And he said, I never make a decision until I get along with God. I never invest, no matter how good it looks, until the Holy Spirit gives me peace and releases me and give me direction. He said, I've never made a mistake in investments. He said, I've turned down some that look good and turned out to be bad. And I've invested in some that look bad, but they turned out to be good because I listened to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you will activate you as a son or a daughter of God to the blessing of Abraham. Glory to God. Glory to God. No, no wonder the earth is waiting today. God said, we're, we're, in these last days, we're even going to make the Jews jealous and make them come to God. Amen? And how are we going to do it? The manifestation, the revelation of the children of God. I believe there's some people. I believe right now is the time. I believe it's the day. I believe it's the hour. I believe it's our time. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's our time. It's our time. And I believe there's some people in New Hope that are going to get a hold of this and say, it's my time. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit on the sideline any longer. Satan's not going to bat me around any longer. He's not going to condemn me and beat me down any longer. I'm going to rise up in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What he did is mine. What he says I can do and what he says I can have, I have. Stand with me, please, so I'll quit preaching. Praise God. I know it's time to go, and I know some of you have to go, but we're going to pray. If you're unsaved this morning, open your heart and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Whatever you need, present those needs to the Lord. And if you'd like for somebody to pray with you after this closing prayer, just come forward, and some of the prayer team members and the staff will, will be here to help you, and we'll, we'll be glad to pray with you. But I know many are going to have to go, so I'm just going to release you now. But first of all, I'm going to pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man, woman, boy, girl, under the sound of my voice. I pray for those who are opening their heart right now to Jesus. Lord, help them to receive you right now by faith. I pray for those who are reaching out right now saying, Lord, I need a miracle in my life today. Lord, I pray that you'll respond to that and give them that miracle. Give healing where it's needed. Blessings where needed. Lord, touch us all. And Holy Spirit, draw us to you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll confirm the word into our hearts today and help us to arise as the people of God and become the manifested children of God, sons and daughters of the King, and walk in the inheritance that is ours, that you've already bought and paid for. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. We love you.